podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to book club number 30, and this week we are going to do part two of John Gordon's The Carpenter. Went through part one last week. I hope you liked it. Uh, it's, uh, it's Again, it's a great work. It's about uh, uh, six to eight years old, uh, and it's a, again, it's an allegory of, of a guy named Michael who... Uh, was really stressed out about his job and his business and he felt like he was failing and he needed to reevaluate his life and he he uh passed out and and collapsed and he was rescued by a gentleman that just becomes known as the carpenter who then comes over to his house and does a project for him and he teaches him stories uh as it is want to happen in many of john gordon's books uh these these people who are experiencing things in life uh they need somebody to step into their life and teach them uh, how to refocus on the things that are important so we left off with some things last week uh this week we're going to cover the second half of the book um we left off talking about uh, focusing on what you can you can control and stress and how and how that stress can can force it can sometimes uh, put you in a situation where you are not the person that you want to be and that you need to be for the good of your program and the good of your team and the good of your players. Stress, as we said last week, it comes from fear, and what happens when sometimes when we get into leadership positions is we, we start to become a little bit self-serving we start to worry about what is best for us instead of what is best for everybody uh, we need to maintain that attitude of being a servant leader and great leaders are servant leaders they put everybody in front of themselves oh you know as gordon says in the book we don't love and admire the tyrant the prideful or the arrogant we love and honor the humble servant who loves us and makes us better and that is what we should strive to be as coaches that we are serving others and we are called to serve other people uh, the best teams care about their teammates and that you can see that true bond that true connection and there's times where you can like people that you play with but if you don't love your teammates you would better be really really talented that's not to say that there's not going to be some disagreements that there's not going to be some ups and downs in any team situation because there are going to be if you're competitive uh, if you've got competitive people, you're going to have some ups and downs from time to time, even in the best of relationships. But we really saw this. I really think a great example of this of, is what we saw in the NBA bubble with some teams that really gelled. Uh, and you could tell that those teams really cared about one another and they had players that they cared about on that team. Portland Trailblazers and the run that they went on as an example. Uh, you could see certain teams that just for whatever reason there's there's something there that is just not clicking and of course the the biggest example that comes to mind is the Philadelphia 76ers uh that 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 things are just not there and 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 the more time when, when you are put in a situation where you are truly forced to spend a lot of time with someone or a group of people those real relationships really show and they really develop and either you're going to come together or you're going to splinter apart a little bit and, and it's it's not going to stay the same that that's for sure. You always, and you need to, to, to 
make that happen, you need to have people in your organization that truly care about the organization more than they care about themselves. Your players need to care about the, care about the team more than they care about themselves. Your assistant coaches need to care about the program more than they care about themselves. If you have an assistant coach who, who truly loves the program more than they love themselves, hold on to that assistant coach as long as you possibly can. That is really, really important. Now, being a craftsman takes a lot of time. Uh, you can you can learn how to nail some two by fours together very quickly, but to to create a work of art, to create something that is going to stand the test of time and is going to be something that people admire, it's going to take time. So so coaches, you have to stay with it, especially if you're a young coach and you want to be that transformational coach. You're not going to perfect these skills. In, in, a, in a day, in a week, in a season. It's going to take multiple seasons. You need to grow into your jobs. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm 46 years old. I'm going into my 25th season, uh, this coming season, and, and I, don't, I, I don't feel like I've even close to mastering any of these skills. But you have to have the ability to, to look, again, like we talked about last week, to look ahead to the end product and what do you want to what do you want that to look like and then understand that there's going to be ups and downs with that, but you have the love for this project that you want to see it through and that you're going to finish it off. Uh, Gordon throws out a bunch of stuff here, and, 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 and a lot of these are, are pretty common when we talk about uh, stick-to-itiveness, uh, fighting through adversity. Uh, Sam Walton didn't open his second Walmart until seven years after he started the company. Of course, in basketball, Wooden didn't win his first national championship until 16 or 17 years in. Uh, Walt Disney was once fired from a newspaper for a lack of ideas, you know, so forth and so on. But we see with these very pe- these people who are very, very successful in the long run, they stuck through adversity because they were willing to fight through the adversity. Are you willing to fight through adversity? You're going to fail. And I know, speaking from personal experience, failure is difficult and it's hard to go through. Uh, I think one of the things that I really struggled with early in my career was I probably didn't have enough failure. You know, my third year as a, as a real basketball coach, I guess if you want to call it that, uh, we won 37 games in a row. I was part of a team that was the best team in the country at the level that, that I was coaching at. And, and I think that was was difficult in some ways. In some ways, that hurt my coaching career, especially when I became a young head coach, because I just thought that that's the way everything should happen to a degree, that, that we were going to figure it out, that of course it was it was about the way that we coached it, but it was about the players and it was about the system. And, and we had a lot of really, really good players. And ultimately, that's what it was about. So how are you going to react to failure? I think because we all have to accept that we are going to have failure at some point in our career. And if we're not ready for that, if you're not going to anticipate that failure in some way, shape or form, then you're going to be in trouble. And I know, again, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit that I think, uh, as great as those times were, I think in some ways, uh, in the long run, that was something that that did not help me become a better coach because you go through an experience like that, and and you you sometimes you just kind of feel like, well, I'm I'm a little a little bit untouchable. We're a little bit untouchable, and you you have to be. It's not final. It's not fatal. Uh, failure is a blessing instead of a curse, as 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 Gordon says in the book. And if you could take that failure and say, okay, what happened? How did it happen? How can I make myself better from this? How can I take this failure and make myself a better person, a better coach, a better 
better husband, uh, a better father, whatever your role may be, then and ultimately you should be thankful for that failure. Uh, but it's not going to be quick. It, 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 Patino calls it the microwave society. We want everything done right now. We want quick fixes. It's not going to happen. You Great coaches uh, take time. You have to develop. You know, you think of Krzyzewski starting out 37 and 41 in his first three years at Duke University. Today, he'd be gone. And, you know, he's got five national championships now. Uh but you have to be willing to push yourself. You have to be willing to step out of your comfort zone. Here's a very simple exercise that Gordon suggests in the book, uh, and I kind of tweaked it a little bit to, to, to fit coaching, per se. Uh, but it's just very simple. I love, serve, and care because blank. Okay, And that's something for you to fill out. You know, why do you do what you do? Why do you coach? You need to ask yourself that from time to time. Why do you coach? I love to serve and care because blank. And fill that in for yourself so that you know what your mission is. You know what your mission is and that so that you can make a difference one person, one moment at a time. And, and that's the way you need to accept your role, to accept your job, is to think of things in that way. Ultimately, as Nick Saban would say, it comes down to the process. Focus on the process. Fall, and this is one thing, this is a phrase that I would use, that I use with my teams and players, and I'll be using it with my new team. Fall in love with the process of getting better. And that's where your mindset needs to be as a coach. You're telling your players to fall in love with the process of getting better, to come to practice, to grind, to, to work really hard, uh, to, to hone your craft. What are you doing as a coach on a daily basis to fall in love with the process of getting better and to have that want to to make yourself a better coach, a, a better leader, uh, a, again, a better husband, a better father, whatever your role, other roles outside of coaching may be, uh, male, female, uh, marital status, wherever you're at in life, that's that's got to be you. So continue to build your group, your team, to hone your craft, to hone your project, to be that craftsman one person at a time. And as long as you continue to do that, you will be a success. All of us are not going to reach this, reach the same success level as, as some of the coaches that we've had on this podcast, even in my interview uh, segments, where we've got you know Kelly Flynn, who's got 10 or 11 state championships, and, and many other people, uh, Mike Neighbors, uh, head coach, uh, Kevin Eastman, NBA champion. Uh, you know, those, are, those, those careers are few and far between, but we all can be a success in being a leader of people and loving and caring and be that transformational leader and looking out for others and being that servant leader that Gordon talks about in his book, The Carpenter. Uh, again, I encourage you to pick it up. It's about four or five bucks, and that includes shipping. Um, and and it's, a, it's a great book. You can find it on Amazon very, very easily. So I encourage you to go out and pick it up. Uh, this has been book club number 30, part two of The Carpenter by John Gordon. Uh, if you're listening, of course, you're on iTunes or SoundCloud, so like, rate, review, give us five stars. Look us up on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at penandanapkin at gmail.com. Uh, if you have any uh, suggestions, ideas, questions, comments, email me at penandanapkin at gmail.com. The Twitter handle, sorry, that's just a pen and a napkin. There's no .com behind that. Yeah, yeah screwed that up. My fault. So, uh, coaches, as always. Let's just stay safe, let's pray for peace, and let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.